The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, I appeal to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree and that there be no dissensions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brethren. What I mean is that each one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispos and Gaius, lest anyone should say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and with not eloquence, wisdom lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power peace be unto the reader to thy spirit
the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Many years ago, when I was receiving, when I was at a special uh, retreat dealing with preaching, I remember the presenter saying that a sermon should always have three points. Never more, never less. But I have to tell you that as I was preparing the sermon for this Sunday, two points came jumping out of the pages to me. And so I decided I would do that. We, we see the Lord in today's, para, uh, in today's pericope doing miracles. Well, the Lord often does miracles. You know, we call them miracles, but the Gospels don't. Because they just accept it as normal that Christ should be able to do these things. St. John even calls them signs rather than miracles. But the apostles refer to the special acts as miracles. Sometimes the Lord walks on water. Sometimes he heals. He shows himself as being above nature's laws or works within nature to transform matter into something else. Today's miracle is an example of the latter. In 2 Maccabees chapter 7, we're informed that the Lord created the world out of nothing. Now that's a marvelous act. The Greeks believe that that the gods formed the world out of pre-existent matter. But the scriptures have the Lord making the matter itself. He makes the dust from which everything else is created. In Cana, he transforms water into wine. And here he transforms the loaves by multiplying them. You know, of all the miracles that the Lord does, the one that which to my mind is the most outstanding is the miracle he does when he recreates a fallen sinner. When he transforms a person who's fallen into the muck and makes him clean and spotless before him. As a priest for over 44 years, I have not infrequently been approached by people whose lives are off course. Drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is. They want to get back on track. They feel very far from God and they feel awkward about it. I remember the one individual who said, you know, I could have, I should have done better. I remember the painful words of the woman who came and said, spoke about the abuse she was enduring from her husband and the rest of the family. And then concluded by saying, but I deserve this because I'm evil. And I said, wait a minute. Nobody deserves this. 
You're in America now. Nobody deserves this abuse. Even if you weren't in America, even if you were in fact the worst sinner in the world, you don't deserve to be abused. And it's wrong for anyone to mistreat you in this fashion. Well, sadly, she just kept on insisting that she was evil and then her time was up. I said, no. If you're evil, then you're repenting now. And that, that counts for a cleansing. You know, what comfort or assurance do we find in the New Testament? We hear these words from Jesus Christ himself in the Gospel according to St. John. And he says, All the Father gives to me will come to me. And him who comes to me, I will not cast out. I will not cast out. Our Heavenly Father is just like a loving father who will never reject a child who shows up at the door weeping and asking for forgiveness. That is what God the Father is like. What a joy we have. The Lord Lord never spurns those who come burdened with heavy loads and crushed by the events of their lives. In fact, this is a whole gospel message. This is the good news that the God we worship is a God who accepts repentance. He's a God who encourages us to repent. He's the God who wants us to come back to him. No matter where we've been, no matter how we've behaved, he will not spurn us when we come seeking rest, burdened by guilt, sin, disgust, and longing for a closer walk with him. We are our own worst enemies. Yes, we have others about us who perhaps have mistreated us, but we're our own worst enemies. And how the words of Scripture come to us like dew from heaven. We hear the Lord saying, Behold, I make all things new. We hear St. Paul talking about about the power that we have when we're in Christ. He says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. We have so many beautiful icons in this, in this church, but I must tell you there's one that, to my mind, stands out and is my very favorite. And it's the one above the patron saint here, above St. John. It's the one of the resurrection because it shows Christ ripping Adam and Eve out of their sloth, their sin, their death, pulling them up and restoring them. You know, Satan is the one who not only gets us to sin, trips us up, but then he puts a label on our forehead. Liar, thief, fornicator. And he wants us to go about carrying those labels. 
But it's Christ who lifts us up and rips those labels off and says, No, you are my beloved child. We see in the icon that Satan now is powerless. But you know, he still comes to us. He's sort of like a defanged serpent. It can't hurt us, but boy are we frightened when we see that creature coming its way towards us. And he whispers in our ears. You notice Satan always whispers. He insinuates. And he tells us those labels are still there. And we have to face up to him and say, No. Maybe one time that label fit, but now I belong to Jesus Christ. Now I'm free. Now I'm made new. And that's the joy that we have as Christians. Christ not only welcomes us home, but he helps us change. He begins the transformation in our lives. As the Lord worked with loaves and fishes, so too can he work with us. In the world we have many sayings. The wisdom of the old men around the fire. A tiger can't change its stripes. And they, just like Satan, they apply the label. Or else we're told, you've made your bed, now lie in it. But what does Christ tell us? What does he tell the, the paralyzed man? Take up your bed and go home. And the Lord says that very same thing to us. We're not to lie down in our sin. We're to get up or go home and become new people. The Lord who transforms those few loaves into enough to feed the multitude tells us that we can become new people. That we don't have to be held captive by our old sins. With God all things are possible. All things can be changed. The individual who's betrayed his or her friends, maybe a criminal, can become new, can become different. The person who's committed adultery or fornication can become clean and fresh. The individual who has committed abortion, my heavens, can be forgiven and restored and become a vibrant person, a vibrant member of the church again. These are the offerings that God gives to us. What is the greatest sin in the world? You know? I see lips moving, but I don't hear the voices, so I suspect... Sin against God, absolutely. Deicide. That's where we kill God. And yet, even when he is on the cross, Jesus Christ uttered those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so if we can be forgiven the sin of deicide, there's no sin imaginable in the world that God will not forgive us. We don't have to worry about barriers between us and God. The barrier is right here. The barrier is our own self-pride. The 
barrier is our reluctance, our shame, our submission to Satan, that we don't run to the Lord and throw ourselves upon his mercy. In today's gospel, the father, the fathers of our church were impressed by the scarcity that we see. St. John Chrysostom says, look, 12 disciples and one Lord, that's 13. He said, and yet how much food do they have with them? He said, only two fish and five barley loaves. And barley loaves are not very big. Traditionally, they're very small. He said, and they're going to be content with that. And yet the Lord can take the scarcity and multiply it so it feeds everyone. What a blessed message this is. Do you remember the parable of the talents? The Lord gives talents. One servant gets five, another gets two, and another gets one. And the individual who gets the one talent is so fearful, he goes and buries the talent. He says, oh, can't do much with this. I'll just keep it. And I can present it back to the Lord when he returns. And the Lord is not very happy with that. He says, what have you done? What have you done? Well, you know, I've heard some people, I've heard so many people say that they, they can't possibly give to charity. They can't possibly help alleviate whatever misery there is in the world because, Father, I don't have very much. And yet, if we just give a little, the Lord can work miracles. He can multiply it. He can help satisfy everyone there. The disciples, when they go and collect the crumbs, and this is another lesson we learn, that we're not to be wasteful of anything, especially if it's been blessed, they've gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. So the people had more than enough. Out of that small offering of five fish and two loaves, they're able to feed so many, 5,000. Beloved, think of that. We don't have to hesitate and say, oh, I don't have enough. My, my offering won't, be, won't alleviate the crisis. It will alleviate some of the crisis. And when it's multiplied by what others give as well, miracles, in fact, will happen. So we should never let scarcity discourage us from doing what is right. If we give to God, he'll use what we have and he'll multiply it. If God can multiply the, the loaves and create a miracle, think what he can do with our lives when we present our lives to him. Oh, my life isn't worth, you know, Father, I'm just an ordinary person. No. There's no such thing in the church as an, or, as an ordinary person. We're all very special and very dear to the Lord, precious in his sight. And when we give ourselves to him, even though it may be little, oh, Father, I don't have any talents, I don't, can't sing, I can't read, I 
can't donate, I'm not a leader. God can work miracles with us. So let us never hesitate in our outreach and our endeavor to be close with God. Let us not accept any labels that Satan wants to plaster on our forehead or arms or wherever. But let us be confident and rejoice in the fact that God loves us. He came so that we might repent and join him. And he will accept us whenever we choose with humility, with love and sincerity to return to him. May his name be praised and glorified forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.